0: Hello, and welcome to the Balanced Wealth Podcast. My name is Gavin DeStasi, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about the free application for federal student aid, otherwise known as the FAFSA. The FAFSA is the form that the federal government, states, colleges, and other organizations use to award financial aid, and is the key to accessing grants, scholarships, work-study programs, and federal student loans for students about to enter college. Now we've written about the FAFSA before, but this time is a little different, and that's because with my son applying for colleges as I speak, this is the first time we actually completed the FAFSA ourselves. In light of that, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about some of the key points to keep in mind when going through the process, as well as some of my impressions having completed it myself. First, a couple of details. It's important to understand that everyone who is applying for college should, I believe, fill out the FAFSA form, even if you think there is little or no chance of receiving financial aid. Schools will look for this to be completed before putting together a financial aid package, which may include federally subsidized loans and work-study programs, as well as merit scholarships and grants, and you just never know what your student might actually be eligible for, even if need-based financial aid is unlikely. Now the window for filling the FAFSA, which is now three months longer than it used to be, is from October 1st to June 30th. That's right, you actually have until June 30th of next year to fill out the FAFSA for a student entering college in the fall of 2022. But the deadline for state or college financial aid can be earlier, so it's a good idea to apply as soon as possible to maximize the potential aid you could receive. And it's nice to have everything buttoned up before the acceptance decisions go out in the spring, so you're not scrambling to get everything done at the last minute. The other thing it's important to understand, and this struck me as a bit odd to be honest, is that the FAFSA is filled out by the student, not the parents. The reason this seemed odd to me is that I have to assume the vast majority of students are claimed as dependents on their parents' tax returns, which means that the parents' financial information is required to be reported. Most kids I know have no clue as to the full financial picture of their parents and certainly don't have access to the documentation, so most of the work actually needs to be done by the parents. I get that the student's financial information is also necessary and in some cases is more relevant. And for those applying for grad school or maybe after having taken some time off from school and are no longer claimed as dependents on their parents' tax returns, that makes sense, but still I have to think that the vast majority of applicants will need to include their parents' financials, so it just seems odd. That said, it is what it is, and the important thing to know is that it is the student filling out the form and including the parents' financial information on their form in addition to theirs. For us, I just had my son come to my office where I had all of the financial documentation for our family available, and we sat down and did it together, which worked pretty well. Now I know having talked with many parents through the years about this, that for many there could be a fair amount of anxiety about completing this process, and most feel like it will be difficult and time consuming. But I have to say that it really wasn't all that bad. And I realize that it's probably a little bit easier for someone like me, whose job it is to sift through financial statements on a regular basis. But as long as you're fairly organized, it shouldn't be that burdensome. It took Nicholas and I about an hour to complete start to finish. Also, one of the things that makes it easier for a lot of folks, including us, is that many users will be able to pull in their family's tax information directly from the IRS using the IRS Data Retrieval Tool. The benefit of using this tool is that data are transferred directly from the IRS and automatically populate the form, which saves time and ensures greater reporting accuracy. Plus, according to the IRS, using the tool reduces the likelihood that the school's financial aid office will select your form for verification, which requires the student's family to supply additional documentation for the information they reported on the FAFSA. Now, because I'm a bit of a Luddite, I feel much more comfortable doing these kinds of things on my desktop workstation, but to accommodate the growing number of mobile-only internet users, the Department of Education also has a mobile-friendly version of FAFSA.gov, as well as apps you can use to complete the FAFSA, which is nice. Next, the nuts and bolts of actually filling out the FAFSA are really pretty simple. First, you go to studentaid.gov and follow the instructions to get an FSA ID. Again, this is the student, not the parents, though the parents can also get one after the student's is set up to access the form and add financial information later, if needed. Once your student has that, they can access the FAFSA form and start to fill it out. As I mentioned before, being organized before starting goes a long way. So you'll want all of your financial information handy when filling out the form, including your most recent tax return in case you're not able to use the IRS data retrieval tool. Next, you'll want a list of all the colleges you want the information supplied to, which you input on the form as well. An interesting thing here, there's only room for 10 schools on the form. Now during our process, it seemed to indicate that once the form was completed, if you wanted to add more schools, you could simply go in and add them after the fact. Nicholas had one additional school he wanted to add, but when we went back in, it wouldn't let him add it without deleting one of the schools he already input. After some research, we found out that you can't add more than 10 schools. If you get into a school that isn't listed in your original 10, you can notify the school that you've completed the FAFSA and supply them with the Data Release Number, or DRN, which is located on your Student Aid Report, and the school can access your FAFSA themselves. I believe you can also call the Federal Student Aid Information Center and they can add the school manually for you as well. Finally, some schools, mostly private but some public as well, require an additional financial disclosure form to be filled out, the CSS profile. This is very similar to the FAFSA but is accessed via the College Board website and is actually a bit more time consuming. It's a little bit more detailed and they don't have the IRS data retrieval tool available, so you have to input the information manually. It is then submitted to the schools you indicate. In our case, one of the schools Nicholas applied to then requested some additional information, which we had to upload after we completed the form via the website, as well as DocuSign. So that's it, and now we wait. So now I have one final thought on this before I go. Many folks will see the June 30th deadline and think, we have plenty of time to get this done. But again, I would highly recommend, just as, even if you think you won't be eligible for need-based financial aid, you should fill out the FAFSA, even though the deadline isn't until late June, you should definitely complete it sooner than later. It's really not that difficult, and the college application process and ultimately the selection and enrollment processes are stressful enough without waiting to the last minute to get it all taken care of. So if you can check this one off the list now, you'll save yourself some time later on, And probably give yourself a little peace of mind now. in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. This program should not be construed as financial, legal, or estate planning advice. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital and seek advice from a licensed professional. Topel and Dastasi Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Topel and Dastasi Wealth Management, LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Topel and Dastasi Wealth Management, LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.